You're listening to That Music Podcast with me, Bryson Tarbett. I'm the music educator and blogger behind That Music Teacher and ThatMusicTeacher.com. Join me as I dive into what it really means to be a music educator. I hope that you're able to find a nugget of inspiration each week as I share my favorite ways to create purposeful instruction through active music making. Along the way, you'll hear from some of my amazing colleagues as they share practical advice that you can apply to your own classrooms. So grab a coffee, sit down, and let's get started. This episode is brought to you by ThriftBooks. ThriftBooks.com is the largest online seller of used books in the United States. They pride themselves on offering the lowest everyday price on used books on the web, with over 13 million books in stock. Everything from classic children's books like The Little Engine That Could to the latest thriller by John Grisham. I've used ThriftBooks for years now, and I can't recommend them enough. To save 15% on your first order, plus free shipping, go to thatmusicteacher.com slash thriftbooks. Again, head on over to thatmusicteacher.com slash thriftbooks to save 15% on your first order, plus free shipping. Oh my goodness, I cannot wait to share this interview I did with Megan Kennedy. Uh, it's all about using picture books in the music classroom and how that's important, regardless of if they're kindergartners or fourth graders or anywhere in between. Um, if you've been following me at all, you know that I absolutely love using picture books in my classroom to supplement and reinforce musical concepts while also promoting literacy outside of the reading classroom. So I was really excited to be able to talk to Megan today um, about how she uses the books in her classroom and kind of how she got started using them. Megan Kennedy is in her fourth year of teaching elementary music, the past three of which she's been in Georgia teaching K-5 general music and chorus with four third and fifth graders. Before moving to Georgia, she taught elementary school music and band in New Jersey, where she grew up and began her music journey with a flute in the third grade. Megan attended the Sunderman Conservatory of Music at Gettysburg College for her Bachelor's of Music in Music Education. And while in college, she spent her summers taking level one, two, and three Kodai from Westminster Choir College. Through these experiences, Megan discovered that her passion for teaching lies in the elementary music land, which is where she feels she can be the most creative with her students. This passion for elementary music education, mixed with her joy in connecting with other educators, led Megan to create her music teacher Instagram a few years ago. You can follow along with Megan at Music Mrs. K, where she shares daily life as a music teacher, lesson plans, materials, and book recommendations, which are shared in a weekly series called Music Book Monday. She also shared a series of rhythm call and responses and play along videos on her YouTube channel, Music Mrs. K, which was created as part of an effort to create more free online resources for music educators in spring 2020. In conjunction with her social media presence, Megan loves working on her Teachers Pay Teacher store in her free time. Her store features elementary general music curriculum, lesson plans, and both digital and printable lesson materials. Megan loves connecting with other music educators online as Music Mrs. K. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to That Music Podcast. Today, I have my guest, Megan Kennedy, and we're going to be talking about how we use books in the music classroom and why that's actually a really important thing. So, Megan, thank you so much for taking some time to talk with me today. Yeah, absolutely. So before we get started, will you tell us a little bit about yourself? So where did you go to school? Um, where and what do you teach? And things like that. Sure. So I went to Gettysburg College in Pennsylvania for my Bachelor of Music Education degree, and I also played flute there. Um, and while I was going to college, I also pursued level one, two, and three Kodai certification at uh, Westminster Choir College, which was a really cool experience. Um, and through that, I kind of realized that my passion for teaching was in elementary music, which was a little surprising because I had been a band kid my whole life, but <laughs> definitely, definitely found my niche through that. 
Um, so after I graduated, I actually ended up teaching two long-term sub-positions in the district that I grew up in, which was really cool. Um, and I taught general music and band. But then after that, I moved down to Georgia with my now husband, um, and I've been in the same position for the last three years. Um, so I teach uh, three through five chorus, typically. We're on hiatus this year. Um, <laughs> and sure. yeah, and uh, kindergarten through fifth grade music, um, which I really love. Um, and right now, so my schedule is a little bit different right now. So I have about a third of my students in person. Um, and I have four classes a day in person, and I get to see those kids for a full week before they switch. Um, and then with the other two-thirds of the students that are online, I get one grade level a week that I teach asynchronously. So I send them two video lessons, and they do a little check-in at the end of their lesson, usually a, a Google form or Google Classroom activity. So that's sort of my atypical schedule uh, right now. <laughs> So you did your Kodai level as an undergrad? Yes, I did. How exciting. I bet that was wonderful when you started in the elementary world. Yeah, it was so cool because it. I was in level two at around when we were doing um, our elementary classroom placements before we moved into student teaching. So I felt like I was really prepared and had some additional materials that I could bring with me to those experiences, which I felt was super helpful. Oh, I bet. I can't even imagine. <laughs> I'm jealous. <laughs> So Megan, other than teaching, what's something that you're passionate about passionate about, or that brings you joy? So still music related, but a little personal experience with music is marching band is like one of the most amazing experiences that I've ever had in the world of music, um, just from listening to participating. So I did marching band all through high school and college and got to teach it a little bit. Um, so that's definitely one of the experiences that, you know, like those goosebump moments um, that's, so that's one of those for me. And then just on the side, I love reading and crafting and doing lots of puzzles and playing games, which we've been doing a lot of recently. <laughs> I'm sure. I absolutely loved marching band in high school. I actually started in eighth grade, which was atypical. Oh, cool. Um, and, but my, my undergrad didn't have a marching band. They do now, but they didn't okay. when I was there. So I wasn't able to do it. Although I'm not sure I would have had time to do it. So <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like it's one of those blessings in disguise. Right. <laughs> All right. So you talked about this a little bit. Um, but what made you decide to teach music? What, why, did, why was that the career path that you went down when you were deciding what to major in for undergrad? Yeah. So I kind of had always thought that I was going to be a teacher. Um, but when I started playing flute, I was in the third grade and it was through the summer music program that my district did. Um, and they offered that every year to elementary age students. Um, and when I was in middle school, my middle school band director asked me if I would be interested in kind of being like a teacher's helper and observing a little bit. And I rem I remember like getting teary eyed when he asked me if I wanted to do that. And I was like, OK, I think this is probably something that I want to do with my life. <laughs> All right. So let's go ahead and kind of dive into the real meat of today's interview. How do you use books in the music classroom and why did you start uh, using those in what you do? Sure. So I've always enjoyed using books um, in the music classroom. And I think I kind of started out more as using books as song tales and just a little something extra to add at the end of class. But um, recently, I'd say probably in like the last year or two years, I've really made an effort to find books that I can use to tie into concepts that we're using in the classroom. 
Um, and I think especially with virtual teaching um, in the spring, I started really building up my library because I wanted to share books with my students more frequently, one, so that they could have them as part of the lesson, but also if they were looking for sort of a break from the regular routine of their day on digital learning, they could come to my website and just click on a recording I had made and read a book or listen to a story or something like that. So I've definitely started using them um, more purposely to either prepare a concept or to practice something. So for example, in kindergarten right now, we're um, talking about the different voice types. So using books where students can identify singing voice versus a speaking voice, high voices and low voices, and then with the upper grades pulling out rhythmic concepts from the books. I love that. So I my first interaction with using books in a music classroom was kind of like a really eye-opening experience. It was um, the my the music teacher that I worked with for my elementary methods placement um, used them a lot, especially in first grade and kindergarten. Mm -hmm. Um, And I never really thought about using a book because I don't know, this isn't library. That's, that's where my brain was. (laughs) Right. Um, And, (laughs) but then um, the more I thought, you know, especially any book that has a rhyme scheme is wonderful Mm -hmm. for rhythmic development. Um, And then there's so many things that are great for vocal exploration or for just um, kind of thematic concepts and things like that. And it really changed how I viewed using books in the music classroom. Now I use a book in almost every, well, now during COVID, who knows. But in a normal year, (laughs) I would normally be using a book in pretty much every lesson. Totally. And again, just like you said, is there's so many things that you can pull out and you can use those books to kind of solidify and reinforce musical concepts, but also like it's reading, which is always great for children. <laughs> like yes. I, I mean, it's so great to be able. And also it shows that, you know, this is music, but we're not just singing. We're still, you know, we're still part of your education. Right. Exactly. And I find that too, especially with the older students that they don't get read to as often, unless they're doing like maybe a novel or something in their classes, but just sitting and reading a storybook to them or singing a storybook to them. I, I find that that's always an interesting experience because that's not always a typical part of their day. Yeah. So like I said, my, my experience with my cooperating teacher, she used them mostly for kindergarten, first grade. Mm-hmm. And so when I started teaching, I used them for kindergarten, first grade. And that was that. Right. And then I started thinking like, well, wait a minute, <laughs> these fourth graders would love for me to. Right. So, I, I, I know, so I started like sprinkling some in and I was so surprised by how well these kids latched on to it and, and enjoyed it. And I'm like, well, you know, and I think what you said was right is I don't think they get read to very often. And if it is, it's it's more like a novel and not like, you know, a storybook. And I right. think it's really important because they are still kids. Mm-hmm. And I think they still enjoy um, reading at that level. And I think it, it's just it's just great to kind of use that at any age. Yeah, absolutely. So what are your some of your favorite ways to use books um, to supplement your lessons? So like whether they're like specific concepts that you enjoy, that you use a lot of books for, um, or ha- really however you want to take this question, what are some of your favorite ways to use books? Yeah, so I think with the younger kids, I really like pulling in books that are related to a theme we might be exploring in class. So for example, um, in kindergarten, we just did Five Green and Speckled Frogs. Um, and so I got a book of that so we could we did the song and we have these little plastic frog toys that we use. And then we explored it by looking at the book, which I feel like adds something visual for the students. And then we also did, there was an old lady who swallowed a frog. So kind of continuing on that theme, which they always think that the the old lady books are hilariously <laughs> gross. <laughs> um, and then with the older kids, 
pulling out rhythmic concepts, which I think is also a very cool experience too, especially once the kids have more of a vocabulary of rhythm concepts so that they can create their own ostinatos or short phrases just by using words that come out of the books, um, which is really cool. Yeah, if I were to pick, I love using them to kind of, they're really great for transitions too. Yes. Um, so if you're doing, if you're doing something, one song, and then you're, you're going to move into using Taz and Titi's, finding a book that has a rhyme scheme, rhyme scheme that lends itself well to that. And it's just like this seamless connection. And especially if you can find something um, that has the same theme as the song that you had before it. So the song goes into the book and then the book goes into the rhythm and it just, everything just flows. Yes. And there's no, and what's great about that is when everything just flows, the kids, there's no time for them to get like riled up. Right, <laughs> they're just they're just along for the ride. Like they, there's no there's no time for them to get distracted. Um, you, if you're giving them something to do constantly, there's there's less classroom management issues, and it's, it's just great for everything involved. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and I love that when you get into that flow, just transitioning through all the parts of your lessons, and then you're like, oh, time's up already. It's time to line up, and the kids are like, what? <laughs> exactly, they're like, wait a minute, we just got here. Right. I'm like, well, that was forty minutes ago. So exactly. <laughs> Um, and I get, I just realized I never told you I was going to ask you this. So if you don't have any answers, that's fine. Um, but what are your, some of your favorite books that you use if you had to pick a few? Oh, well, so I kind of just mentioned this, but there was an old lady who swallowed a fly, I think is a fantastic classic book. And I have a puppet that goes along with it. So I, I find that any age of kids really love that story. Um, and I think one of my like favorite books that has come a staple in my lessons for introducing half notes specifically is click clack moo. And yes, I just add like click clack moo. And it's such an easy little phrase that they can hang on to in their head. And it really makes that transition into identifying half note really easy. Uh, I love that you brought up the old lady who swallowed a fly books. Mm-hmm. For one, for, I just I literally just found one of those like puppet sets where you like feed her yes. um, on like one of the Facebook sites. <laughs> and I'm super excited. Like it's literally just sitting on my kitchen table right now. Oh, it's um, so much but, fun. But they also have all of those the different. Um, what am I trying to say? The the different versions like the different holiday yes. specific or times of the year and like usually you can get those for like six bucks at a book fair or something like mm-hmm. that. So I I love using those and the kids. You would think that they would get tired of the whole shtick, but right. like. They love it. They're like, oh my goodness, it's a dragon now. I love this. Like, I've I've never been more confused by how well they just love the different books, even when they're they're fairly similar. They're all kind of the same concept. Mm -hmm. Um, and then if I had to pick my absolute favorite book, this was a book that I learned during my student teaching, and I use it for my Ta and TT. Um, so it's Please Baby Please by Spike Lee and Tanya Lewis Lee. Um, it is just great for Ta's and TTs, and there's also like one rest in there that sometimes you'll get like a kid that goes, hmm, that one was different, and you're like, you're right, it is different. Mm -hmm. Um, but basically, it goes through the story of this baby, and every every page ends with "please, baby, baby, please," or they just kind of rearrange that so it could be "please, please, please, please," or "baby, baby, baby, please." Uh, so it just kind of goes through, it. and it's great, and the kids love doing it. Um, and then again, there's that one. Um, there's that one secret rest in there that you'll, you'll see. You'll, mm-hmm. I, lo- I love saying, I think it's like, please, baby, please. And you kind of look around, you see there's a couple people that are a little uncomfortable mm-hmm. that there wasn't an extra beat in there. And it, it's just great to kind of gauge where everyone's at, like in their oral like development. Right. Um, but that's one of my absolute favorite ones. I use that typically in first grade for my Taz and Tichis. And then sometimes I bring it in for a, 
uh, once we've established and named rest um, in later years. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, that's great. I'll have to write that one down. I hadn't heard of that one before. It is my absolute favorite book. <laughs> um, so what do you say to teachers or students that say, well, this isn't reading class or, you know, this isn't library. Why are we using books? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I think I would just remind them that, you know, we can use books in really any part of our lives. They explore so many different topics and just the importance of reading too, and that that should be not something that students only get in a specific part of the day, but something that they're able to practice and be exposed to throughout their day and throughout their lives. Um, And I think too, especially going through the different age groups, you know, in, in kindergarten, first grade, they're working on spelling and tracking and putting together sentences and reading, slowly moving into longer books and with older kids being able to analyze plot and identify characters. So I think that there's a lot of different skills that can be pulled out of just the experience of reading, regardless of age or what the special or time of the day is. Exactly. I, um, for one, that's just one thing that you're like, your administrators are going to love <laughs> using literacy. Right. Like we just had our, our readathon. Um, and normally it looks very different, but this year we just did like a bunch of like drop everything and read. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know, will you be able to you know do some reading in your class on this week? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> Easy. Read. I'll, I'll bring in, I'll bring an extra book and we'll be fine. Right. Um, but again, I think it's really important that we, show our students that books are not just for reading. Sometimes they are for knowledge or enjoyment, Mm -hmm. or there's, there's so many other reasons to physically pick up a book and start reading. Yeah, absolutely. And and Uh, something too with books that I've really tried to focus on in this past year is finding books that represent the diversity of students that I have in my room, which I think is a really easy way to help your students be able to see themselves as main characters. Um, I know there are a lot of books that just have animals as the main characters, but I've I've definitely made it one of my goals to increase those books in my classroom library that feature either fictional characters or um, real characters, so we can explore like different musicians and we can read them in a book and then listen to their music too. So it can be really this this whole encompassing experience for our students. I love that you brought that up because that is such a big deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, for so many reasons, just having students that feel like they can relate to the characters in the book. Yes. Um, that one that their, their buy-in immediately goes right. up. Um, and it, the ability for them to feel represented and have their life experiences validated is, is crazy. And I think that's something that we really need to be aware of because it's so honestly, it's really easy. It, yes. it's, it's really easy to find books that are just, that isn't just about the same kind of person every time. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't take this huge um, time out of class to talk about, you know, how we're different. It's just, Hey, this is another person in another situation. Right. And th- you know, we're just going to read this book and it's just not, it's, it's validating it. They're, they're represented. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's something that, there, there's a little bit of a tide moving that way. Yes, I know my my district just got a a grant um, for K twelve basically to find books that deal with um, different life instances. Mm-hmm. So there are certain categories, you know, you know, like um, people of color, LGBT, um, yeah. socioeconomic status. But basically, we're filling in the gaps of our classroom libraries, our um, our school libraries themselves, and just so that there are books that are available. Yeah. that validate the life experiences of 
of our students. Oh yeah, that's fantastic. Um, one thing that pops into my mind is I had a fourth grade teacher share that they were reading a book. I couldn't, I can't remember what book they were reading. Um, but basically the main character lived in a trailer home mm-hmm. and so do a decent amount of my students. And this student was so surprised that they were reading a book about someone who lives in a similar situation that, that they do. Um, and it, I, I, I promise you that that student is going to remember reading that book for a long time oh, totally. because they val- they were validated. They were part of that experience. They, um, it wasn't something that they had to picture themselves in. It was the situation that they were living. Yes, absolutely. That, and that's so important too, to, I mean, not necessarily that every time our students will tell us that they value those experiences, but I mean that, you know, students recognize when they're represented and when they're not and how they're being represented. So that's so important. So here comes a question that I <laughs> I need your help on. Okay. How do you do you have a way that you organize your books or your classroom library so that you can find what you need without going crazy? Yes, sort of. So that's that was something that I did while we were all home, um, virtual <laughs> learning. So I went through all of my books and I put a sticky note on each book and wrote down, you know, what concepts or themes or different ideas could be pulled out of those books. Um, and then I put it all into an Excel sheet, one so that I can tre- keep track of which books I already own. Um, and I also have some books that belong to my school. So I kind of went through and was able to organize which books were mine and which books belong to the school. Um, but also so that when I was, I revised my curriculum this summer so I could go through and plug in those books into the different areas where I saw that those themes or those concepts came up, um, which has been great because now I can just go into the Excel sheet if I need something extra and I can just look and see, okay, I, I want a book that is going to review colors or something in kindergarten. And I can just go to that, that section, and find the books, which was definitely time consuming, but I'm definitely finding that valuable now. So yeah, mine, I did, I tried to something similar to an easier, like not, not as in depth. Basically I have mine sorted by like songs to sing mm-hmm. um, songs that have rhyme schemes. And then I think I have like a holiday, a composer and like an instrument bucket. Mm-hmm. Um, I've have you ever used the book buddy app? I have not, but I've heard of it. Yeah. So I started using it and then my phone exploded before I could back it up. And I was just so frustrated. <laughs> oh. and I just didn't try it again. But it's a really great thing if you have some time. Um, basically, you just scan the barcode of your book and it pulls in all the information and you oh, can wow. like, tag it. with your, it's, I think it's meant to be like a, a library, man, like a classroom library mm-hmm. where you can like check it out. But I obviously, obviously you don't need to use it like that. But what's cool about it is you can like assign tags to it. Um, so if it's like, oh, this is a rhythmic tag or, or if this is my fourth grade tag, however you want to do it, um, there's a lot of good ways. And I think it's free on the App Store. Oh, very cool. Yeah, so I'll definitely that might, check if, that. Yeah, that might be something for you or for anyone listening that's that's looking for a little bit more organization um, could be a good place to start. Yeah, absolutely. And I was going to add to something else that I did to sort of organize my books, um, especially for my digital learners. Um, and because I'm not singing with my students in person right now, but um, I recorded myself reading and singing a lot of um, the books that I have in my classroom. Um, And I put them all into separate Google slides and made like a listening room so students can click on a picture of the book and it'll take them to a video of me reading or singing the book to them. Oh, how cool. Yeah, which I initially just did so that I could share those books easily with my digital learners. But I'm also finding now too that that's great for if I ever need a substitute, 
I was I can, just thinking that. That's yeah. Great. So I can just point them to that and say, oh, you need an extra five or 10 minutes, like go in here, pick out a couple books and you can explore those with the students. That's awesome. So Megan, what are some things that people can do to use some more books in the next few weeks in their classroom? Yes. Yeah, so I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but I think a really easy way to get started is by pulling some books that you currently have um, and seeing if there are any rhythmic concepts that you can pull out of those books, just taking some key words from the books or key phrases and creating little short um, ostinatos or something that you could do with your students. Um, there are also tons of lists online of good like starter books to have for your classrooms that you could probably find in your school library or if you're able to get to your public library. I find that that's a really good way to explore books before you add them to your own classroom library. Um, and then also I, I've found recently like websites where you can purchase digital books and you can share those digitally, which I think is a really easy way to get books into your hand instantaneously. Um, so that's been really cool too, especially with digital learning. For sure. So I know that I have a few blog posts on my blog, that musicteacher.com, um, that I'll put in the show notes that are about, you know, the books, that, some of the books that I use um, and in my classroom. But there's so many out there. It's like if you went to Pinterest and just searched oh, like, yeah. books for the music classroom, I, you would find so many mm-hmm. um, there with that. Um, one thing that I want to bring in, I know you talked about like finding books digitally or going to the library. Um, I know I personally... I bought a lot of books <laughs> my first few years of teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really easy to go on Amazon and get them because you can get them really quick, but you're probably going to overpay. Honestly. Right. Um, I get most of my books from a place called thrift books. Have you ever heard of them? Oh yeah. Me too. I have done. Uh, they're quite amazing. A few. Yeah. All of my big book hauls are from thrift books. <laughs> yeah. So they're, so if, if you haven't heard of thrift books, thrift books is essentially this online, like, store for like used books but most of them are like really gently used Mm -hmm. and you can get a book that would be like twenty dollars on amazon for like three bucks um and the shipping is on free i think on on over ten dollars so like it's it's great um i do have a code if you go to that musicteacher.com slash thrift books if you've never used it before you can save 15 percent um plus get that free shipping but even if you've already done it and don't want to use my code i highly recommend using thrift books because they are fantastic yeah totally all right, Megan, before we end up leaving this call, can you tell us more about where we can find some more of you and the stuff that you have on the internet? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the biggest spot where you can find me is on Instagram. I'm at music Mrs. K. Um, and I share just daily about things going on in my classroom and different materials and instruments I'm lo- using and lesson ideas, but also related to our conversation today. Every week, I share a music book review in a series that I call Music Book Mondays. Um, which is just, I've found that a fun way to share books and to get ideas for books from other teachers. Um, I'm also on Teachers Pay Teachers as Music Mrs. K, where I share a lot of curriculum plans and digital and printable resources. Um, And also on YouTube, I'm Music Mrs. K. um, And I have recently created a series of rhythm call and response and play along videos that I wanted to make in the spring so that there was more available online as free resources for music teachers. Um, but those are all the places that music Mrs. K everywhere. So yeah. Awesome. Well, I will be sure to link all of those in the show notes. Um, thank you so much for chatting with me today. I, this is something that I could just talk about forever. I love right. using picture books in the music classroom. Um, and I'm glad that it's not just me. So I really appreciate you taking some time and talking with me today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. If you found this episode helpful at all, I would really appreciate you leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Not only does this help me understand what you find most helpful, it also helps more music educators just like you find the podcast. 
To check out the show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned, head on over to thatmusicteacher.com slash show notes.